We should succumb to the Borg. Once again, another bold upwards downstairs stance. Does your dad know who we are? Let's, Let's move, move on. on. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's a Republican court, not an English court. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. God help Ireland if your kind ever take control. Oof, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I'm a godless heathen. Yeah. I've got no respect for due process of law. Well, and you've never even been in Ireland. So I have not. I really... I don't... Ha- I have less of a leg to stand on than the king, presumably. <laughs> did the king have legs? I, <laughs> I'm i pretty sure he did. I don't know. I've heard I feel, royalty are all amphibious. I feel like if the king didn't have legs, it would have come up on Jeopardy at some point. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Welcome back, cousins. Yeah. We are slowly swinging back onto our <laughs> schedule it's happening yeah the uh, uh the empire exhibition yeah the empire exhibition right. that old thing yeah you old thing welcome back yes so this week we'll be covering the wind that shakes the barley yes but before we get to that uh let us declare our cousin of the week Ooh. cousin lisa writes good day cousins kelly and tom this is the first telegram i've sent and i can think of no better way to start than to tell you both how much i love the podcast it's so refreshing to listen to a fan podcast that is both well-produced and conveniently stocked with funny, delightful people and opinions I agree with. I'm emailing because I was watching Gosford Park last night. It's the perfect movie to watch with a martini or three while luxuriating Kelly McDonald's face. You and I are soul sisters, Tom. <laughs> and Maggie Smith's general awesomeness. The thing about the movie is that no matter how many times I watch it, I notice something new. For instance, at the beginning of the movie, when Clive Owen introduces himself and Helen Mirren visibly reacts to his name, I never noticed that the cook, Helen Mirren's sister, also reacts. She stops in the hall and you can see her lingering in the background as Helen Mirren follows Clive Owen down the hall. Just wonderful. This brings me to the real reason I'm writing. I never saw before last night that the footman who has a bit of a crush on Ivor Novello, well, who do you think he is but the weird and delightful Mr. Spratt? Oh, Spratt. <laughs> I want the spinoff where he is the quirky sidekick to a crime-fighting Edith. Think about it. She has all the angsty backstory of your average mid-40s white dude on prestige television. Anna could be her trusty partner, always ready with a kind word and a little joke. Mrs. Hughes could be the sage and snarky medical examiner. Each episode would have its own case to solve while balancing the season-long arc of hunting that most clever of criminals, that most wily of women, the Duchess. (laughs) Well, the martinis are calling to me, and so I wish you the best, Cousin Lisa. P.S. I hate Stephen Moffat, too. P.P.S. Everyone by Kelly's album. It's the best. Oh. Hey, because I don't read these all the way through necessarily <laughs> before I choose them, I didn't even know that this was a plug. Well. So well plugged, Cousin. <laughs> yeah. You are Cousin of the Week for ethical reasons, <laughs> and not the reasons that one might think. Right. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize Spratt was in Gosford Park. We mm-hmm. really ought to rewatch it sometime. Yeah, we ought to. We well, should because, probably watch it like quarterly, honestly. I, well, yeah, I mean, because it's, I mean, I know that I've had the same experience. I mm-hmm. still don't know, you know, a fifth of what goes on in it, I would imagine. That's very you know, Because there's just so much happening that's just in the background of other scenes yeah, and absolutely. stuff. Yeah, uh, Fun story. All right. Uh, on Twitter today, guess who was interacting with us? Who? Jessica Fellows. Baron Julian's daughter, author of several books about Downton Abbey. Oh, my. I mean, it wasn't a big thing, but yeah, there yeah. were several of the cousins bought 
there is a new book out, uh-huh. uh, which you should all buy. We'll put it on our holiday wish list. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're shopping on Amazon, use the Bald Move portal right. to give them money. Yes. We will think about more concise ways of saying that in the future. <laughs> um, yeah, but we'll put it – if you guys want to do – you know, last year we did the same thing where we just kind of had a, a wish list. If anybody wants to send anything, great. If not, you're under no obligation. Right. This Absolutely. is free. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, a year in the life of Downton Abbey or something like that. Okay. But it's like it's like a seasonal – it's like a cookbook. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. I, I'm... You know, I, I expect, you know, exploding snap. Exploding snap? Snap. snap. Yeah, no. Just snap. Exploding snap is Harry Potter. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> you know that Ha-ha. thing with the raisin that you Yeah, no, no, no. Fire. I know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so just people were saying they were excited about the book, and she was just responding and saying, oh, you know, hey, thanks, and... It was it was cool. Yeah, I thought it was really neat that yeah. she was like actually interacting with the fans, Absolutely. and it was everything I could do not to tweet at her and be like, "Does your dad know who we are? <laughs> yeah, does he know? <laughs> who knows you're here? <laughs> who knows? Which is relevant? Which is a really relevant way to get it? Okay, so what we were just doing? <laughs> yes, long time ago, back in 2005, mm-hmm. uh, when we were dating, still Aww. we weren't even engaged. We was a baby, Tom and Kelly. <laughs> but uh, Batman Begins came out, mm-hmm. and I, it's like waned a bit, but at the time, I was like all about Batman. Could not get enough. <laughs> yeah. I was also all about Killian Murphy. Oh, yeah. Who played a scarecrow in that movie. And so at the time, on my cell phone, you could download, you know, like text alerts that were like dialogue from the movie, and one of them was Killian Murphy as the scarecrow going... <laughs> Who knows you're here? Who knows? And like it would go off in the back room at Crabtree and Evelyn and scare the shit out of everybody because it's terrifying to hear. Yeah. Like it scared the crap out of Tom on more than one occasion. <laughs> it's true. Which of course was why I enjoyed it so much. Mm-hmm. Because I enjoyed making the lives of people I love <laughs> miserable. Yes. Like Batman. <laughs> Anyway, that's a good point. so this is relevant because Killian Murphy is the lead in uh, The Wind That Shakes the Barley. That's which, right. Oh, my God, you guys. That This barley gets shooken the fuck up. Uh, this movie was harrowing. I already yeah. saw on Facebook one cousin, Cousin Gail, was like, I couldn't even yeah. continue watching it. And yeah. I mean... That's you know, fair. We were honor-bound right. by this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was just so intense. So if you didn't make it all the way through, yeah, we certainly don't blame you. Yeah. And we would also say uh, that if you're at this point somehow still deciding whether to watch it and you're fine with the intensity of it, put on the subtitles. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. Because these are some thick, thick-ass Irish accents. Right. And you are not going to know what they're saying. Right. Uh, it's, it's a big help. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and also, if you haven't watched it yet and you're planning to, stop listening. <laughs> go watch it. That's, and then listen to this. That's generally how we expect things to go. I, know, hey, I just, I don't know. know. Some people do things differently, though. Yeah. I know they do. And I just want to be clear. You should watch this movie well, yeah. not really knowing Oh, yeah. No, that's actually in. very... I mean, apart that's from a the ve- fact that we've warned you right, that, that it's super fucking violent. Yeah, but it is, you know, because neither of us knew really anything about it going in. And yeah, that was definitely knew, the way to I go. When I knew going in, I knew Liam Cunningham was in it. Mm-hmm. I knew Killian Murphy was in it. Right. And I knew it was about two brothers. And it was, you know, set during the war for Irish independence right. and that was literally all I knew yeah I knew that the brothers would be torn asunder 
<laughs> yes. I did not know which well, brother was which. Generally what happens to brothers. Yeah, they do. You've been <laughs> torn asunder from yours for years. <laughs> I mean, I moved away. But well, yeah. yeah. Listen, I'm trying to make it exciting. Uh, you know. <laughs> hey, man, I don't want it to be this exciting. This is too... <sighs> well... I mean, let's just dive. Yeah, let's do this because, guys, listen. We spoiler alert. I'm probably going to start sobbing hysterically at some <laughs> point because I spent like this movie is what like two hours. It's a little over 15? two hours. Yeah, I spent easily 45 of those minutes <laughs> weeping openly. Yeah, and like inconsolably. Yeah, Tom tried to console me, and I was just like, "No, man, let me feel it." Yeah, and I was like, "That's fine. I got to take these notes." Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's good that we weren't both giving it our full attention because i think our entire home might have been flooded <laughs> it would have been some serious alice in wonderland shit happening in here possibly all right well we start off with a very peaceful and happy scene i mean it's not that happy people are angry but they're just angry over uh hurling disputes is that like knuckle puck <laughs> it's pretty similar <laughs> from what i can tell uh, it's like kind of like field hockey and i don't really know what the deal is but it's you know yeah they're hitting each other with sticks in the traditional ball. irish sport of hurling and, uh, you know, arguing with the ref, ah, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, the game's over. That's Tom's impression <laughs> of the Irish people, incidentally. Well, when they're arguing with a ref. <laughs> <laughs> Other times they sound different. <laughs> what does that sound like? <laughs> uh, I think it just sounds like when Irish eyes are smiling. I don't know. Sorry. You just made your ancestors cry. <laughs> well, I didn't have a quip ready. It's well, tough. listen, sorry, dude. I tried to help you. I tried to set you up there. No, I know. You set me up and I whiffed. I set you up, you knuckle puck. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the problem. You can't hit the knuckle puck because it's all well, twisting around. I'd hit you. <laughs> I wouldn't. No. That would be perpetuating the violence that's about to happen in this movie. <laughs> right. So they all head back from this game and they're back at some farmhouse and an old lady and some other ladies are there. And Well, because, yeah... It's become clear that Damien, right, Killian, Killian Murphy, Murphy, yeah, who is so attractive. Oh man, uh, his eyelashes. He's dreamy. Yeah. Anyway, he's going to London to study at this hospital. Yeah. So he said he's going up to somebody's house. Uh, is it Mihail's house? He's saying to him. I think. Oh, it must be. Then yeah. He's saying I'm going up to see Peggy and your ma'am, and uh, also his very pretty sister uh Sinead. yes so i keep wanting to call siobhan the whole time oh, wow. i know two names <laughs> Sinead, siobhan three shannon wow and uh that's how i feel about irish names okay well in this case it's uh option a <laughs> which is Sinead. and so yeah they're all gathered around and being like oh good work uh you know going to be a doctor or whatever yeah when then all of these soldiers just run up yelling and pointing guns at everybody Line everybody up against the wall, and uh, the head soldier tells them all that with the Defense of the Realm Act, it bans all public associations, and that includes your poxy little games. A.K.A. Knuckle Puck. Right. It's specifically mentioned in the Defense of the Realm yeah, Act. Yeah, Knuckle Puck. <laughs> Don't let them play it. <laughs> no public as- associations, and no one shall use Knuckle Puck. It's not fair. <laughs> They line them all up against the wall, tell them all to keep their eyes down, not to look them in the face, and ask them each their name and their occupation. So This is so deeply uncomfortable. Right. This movie went from zero to deeply uncomfortable 
so because i'm thinking like oh this guy's gonna go to london he's gonna come back his brother's gonna be all radical he's gonna be like maybe not right i just assumed it was gonna be like all these other movies we watch where there's just sort of people you know kind of wandering around countrysides right and this was the opposite of that no there was very little chat yeah yeah there was impassioned arguing i mean we're pretty much done with the chat at this point basically so everything from here on out is like a big fucking deal yeah Uh, yeah one guy identifies himself as uh i think it was more mahal but yeah you're right uh but rather than michael Uh and this infuriates the soldiers and he is persistent in speaking gaelic at them and they eventually flip out and like haul him off and drag him into the chicken coop the chicken coop yeah and they murdered the shit out of that kid. Yeah, they murdered the shit out of him. And the whole like, scene, you know, we like... We weren't expecting a kid to get murdered... Right. ...at, uh, what, uh, three minutes in? More or less, yeah. I didn't check the timestamp. Yeah, but basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is horrific. Yeah. You know, because Damien the whole time is like, in his, name, his name's Michael, he's not involved in anything, he's... 17 or whatever age he was in editing yeah that's i'm not gonna do well with these accents (laughs) no well you know because like a really solid irish accent it's a beautiful right and b harder to mimic than you'd think yeah because it's like it's like right there it's like go too far and all of a sudden you're jamaican yeah yeah well no it's 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 somehow like we have all these sort of centers of dialect gravity that pull us away and it's more you know scottish or cockney or you know something else i mean my entire acting class thought we were doing really great at irish accents then an actual irish person came to our school and was like you're all doing a welsh accent (laughs) and we were like well that seems like our teacher's fault (laughs) yeah (laughs) that seems like a him problem (laughs) put that on his evaluation right uh we not really expecting any actual irish people to show up at this performance so oh he was a guest instructor well yeah Oh, but yeah, no, absolutely yeah. not. Or any Welsh people, for that matter. Yeah, we don't actually expect anyone to come. <laughs> right. This is the theater. <laughs> we're, it's not clear why we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Michal's been stabbed, and we cut to the funeral, and uh, an old woman is singing the title song about the wind shaking the barley, and how... Uh, it's awful to take i don't remember the the rhyming scansion but that it's horrible to take up arms or whatever but it's worse than to live in chains yeah essentially and uh yeah man i guess we should just talk about this now because that's where i wrote it down but like if you haven't really like hooked into what's going on in like ferguson or Mm -hmm. like any time that police kill like a brown person right Maybe this movie will help you understand. Maybe because so. It's awful. Well, and I mean the very and, I mean I recognize like throughout this movie I felt like I had the veil of my own white privilege kind of like snatched off my eyes because it was mm-hmm. like I just kept seeing like these parallels and I'll kind of point some of them out as we go through well, but the it was very just... first right away when they were lining them all the whole that whole dynamic of that scene felt exactly like several scenes in The Wire. That's true. Uh, where, where the cops just roll up and they're like, get against... I mean, for yeah. no reason. Right. Right. I mean, I, that that thought came to my mind immediately when no, I saw that No, and you got, scene. you know, this teenager getting straight up murdered. Right. And no one can do anything about it. Yeah. At all. Yeah. 
Yeah, in front of his mother. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, the tears. <laughs> oh, God. Well, hold off as long as you can. I'm going to do the best that right. I can. Uh, so outside the funeral, the men are gathered around discussing other people that have been killed. And one of them's telling Damien that they need him to stay um, and that he can't go. And well, Dam- I think it's his brother, isn't it? I think so, too. Uh, I didn't. Teddy? I think you're right, but I didn't know who anybody was yeah. at the time. So, um, and saying that they He's, need, yeah, they've got the brawn, but they need the brains. Right, Damien's clearly the brains because look at his eyes. <laughs> yeah, we need you to seduce England into leaving. <laughs> uh, well, he's already seduced the viewing audience. So. <laughs> yeah, but he says there's you know there's thousands of soldiers that you know all with guns, the whole British Empire behind them. There's nothing they can do. It's pointless, and he's going. Yeah. Sinead does not think much of this reasoning. No, she does not. Yeah. Well, it was her brother. Yeah, that's that's as true. Well. Yeah. So it's not likely to uh yeah. I feel like she said something cool there, but I forget what I think she also did, but I said, Oh Sinead, why are you always doing this? And I don't know what that was in <laughs> reference to. You just met her. I know. <laughs> So at the train station where Damon's about to head off to London, a bunch of soldiers march up to get on the train and the guys, you know, direct them, you get in this car, you get in that car, all this sort of thing. But then the conductor won't let them on and says that it's at the driver's orders and the driver comes up and says that his union has instructed him not to carry any soldiers or military equipment Mm -hmm. anywhere. Uh, And so, you know, naturally the soldiers beat the crap out of the conductor and the driver. And, and the, like, assistant. Yeah, yeah. Because there's three of them there. Right, yeah. Uh, so they all get, you know, rifle butts to the head. And Damien goes to help them. Uh, yeah, and they send, like, the train. They're like, the train's not going. They make everybody get off the train, and the driver takes the train away, right. basically. Yeah. So Damien stays to, or, you know, Damien helps out the people that were injured. And we cut to him pledging an oath. To Dal Dal Aran or Dal Aaron Dal Aaron I think yeah I think it is Dal Aaron yeah the uh, the Irish Parliament and shakes hands all around he's, this movie he's in. this movie is great because it moves really fast yeah even though it's kind of overwhelming it doesn't you know we don't get a scene of him wandering around the verdant right, hills of Ireland weighing his choices exactly it's very action oriented yeah yeah. So yeah, cut to a bunch of them sneaking around the countryside with guns. A lot of scenes involve sneaking around with guns. I, I think I wrote that phrase a lot. <laughs> and then they all get to a point and a guy stands them all up and then names about half of them and says that they're all dead yeah. because he saw them. You yeah. know, So it's a, a training thing that's going on here. Uh, and he, he gives them, a, he, he says, all I need is a, the si- all I need to see is the size of a packet of fags and you're dead. Mm-hmm. And he, he demonstrates by having someone take the packet, packet of fags along and, and he shoots it. And he tells the kid, he's like, I want these back. Right. Like, did he think the kid was going to like run off with the fags? Right. Or? Because he was, because then he shot them. Yeah. Like, no, and the kid was like, dude. Right. You just told me to go, you know, you, you put me in a circular room. And told me to go <laughs> piss in the corner. I'm like, what do you want from me? Welcome to army life, son. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. No, man. And I just even, like, I couldn't, like, just bam, bam, bam. Everybody's like, we're going to fucking take down Britain. Mm-hmm. We're going to swear some oaths. We're going to go out and train. And they did. 
Yeah. I just really, and I was so, I was like, this, I'm like, this isn't going anywhere. <laughs> right. I'm like, these idiots can't even fucking be more inconspicuous than a packet of fags. <laughs> yeah. Because I know nothing about this war. Right. I discovered from this movie. <laughs> yeah. Which again, man, I also just connected to this movie on the level that I have a quarter of like Irish heritage. Right. And I felt like Bill Paxton at the end of Titanic <laughs> when he was like, all these years, I've been looking for the heart of the ocean, <laughs> and I never got it, you know? But for me, it was like Irish independence. Yeah. And also, I have only recently become interested in that. <laughs> that is a great analogy. I once won a Hibernian Award for an like essay I wrote about the potato famine. Yeah. I don't remember what the thesis was. I'm guessing it was like... Uh, you it was know, probably like fuck the English. It, well, I, yeah, I'm thinking anti-famine. Yeah, it was pro people eating. Right. <laughs> uh, definitely. Right. I don't. I don't know. I used to do like historical fiction because I won a DAR award mm-hmm. with my historical fiction about this girl whose brother got his legs blown off at the Battle of Breed's Hill. Nice. Uh, oh man, listen up, dude. That was a dope story. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I lifted all the names from an American Girl book, <laughs> but that's fine. I was 10. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I got to go to a luncheon. It was very exciting. I mean, you know, speaking as a one-time fan of Johnny Tremaine, that sounds like just my sort of thing. <laughs> just Everybody, my no. just my cup of tea, if you will. <laughs> you dirty Tory. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, so this is cool. Like, my like ancestors might have done something cool like this. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, because this is 1920... And at least on my side, I believe all my ancestors were here. That said, shit like this was going on since about the year 1200. Well, so, and actually, we were talking about how this was so impactful for us because in our generation growing up, like, mm-hmm. the tide had turned the other way. And it was always, you know, the Irish trying to blow up the north of Ireland. Right. And it was just, you know, yeah. everybody was pretty sick of it by then. Yeah. no, and, my- like, and even like Irish people who were proud of their Irish heritage felt very angry and embarrassed yeah. by the continuing conflict. Well, my parents in particular, I remember being like kind of lectured about it because they loved Celtic music and we did all kinds of stuff like that. But there were certain things like the Hibernians in particular. They were like, well, we don't really like to go there that often because they get to singing those like rebel songs mm. and, you know. And uh, raising money for terrorists was certainly a thing that they did for a while. That's so. a good point. Yeah. Uh, but that's getting well ahead of our story. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Listen, we really loved this movie, guys. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of digression. Yes. But it'll be kind of on topic. Yeah. No. Unlike. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have some more jokes. You know how it goes when we like something. Right. It's well, less and this funny. was not this a is, laugh yeah, light of a movie. This is a particularly like, <laughs> laugh repellent experience. <laughs> We were not cracking too wise as we viewed this. Yeah. Uh, so fortunately, Sinead comes up and she's got some more fags. So She's so great. She's on her bike. She mm-hmm. reminded me of Meep Guys in, I don't know if that's how you say it, but in uh, The Diary of Anne Frank. Oh, okay. Meep is the woman who works in the office that mm-hmm. Mr. Frank owns that like, she was constantly zipping around on her bicycle dealing with the underground getting extra ration cards and like bringing them you know she brought Anne the diary uh-huh, you know uh-huh, yeah and she was on a bike and i have that in my brain yeah about her but, but i mean, like, but no, I mean but this I mean, is a very analogous situation yeah, yeah. so like because sinead and like 
it doesn't get into it and the movie does pass the Bechdel test later yeah but like the women aren't front and center but like I felt like they were a really integral part and that you really understood how vital they were right to this movement yeah yeah and this is the first real instance that we see of that yeah uh, she talks with Damien a bit, asks, you know, how are things going? She misses Michal. And uh, she gives Damien a St. Christopher medal that he had had. That Michal had had. Right, yes. Yeah. And uh, I believe that is what prompted me to write both get a room <laughs> and Killian Murphy can put it in my pocket any day. <laughs> uh, sorry, everyone. <laughs> But also every time that he and Sinead have a scene, oh yeah, I was saying get a room. You you were yeah, if not more explicit statements. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I'm very disrespectful involving pockets. <laughs> pockets. <laughs> you know the ones I mean, <laughs> or I guess the one. Let's, Let's move, move on. on. <laughs> so <laughs> we cut to some city streets, and some guy is trying to set up a bomb. Oh, yeah. We we sort of skipped over. What she brought them was a map of some barracks where some uh, soldiers were staying. Yeah, and they're like, Commander is Finbar, who we right. may or may not have met. It's not entirely clear, but he's kind of calling the shots. Yeah. He's like the big general. Yeah. So we see a guy trying to light a bomb at the, the wall of the barracks, and it doesn't go off. And some guy leans out the window and is like, hey, what are you doing? I'm coming down there. And so the guy with the bomb runs over, stands by the door. He's pretending to be drunk. Right, right. And uh, when the guard comes out, uh, you know, uses the element of surprise to force his way in and everybody follows after him. Well, don't they kill that guy? Uh, I think so. I thought they killed that guy. Probably. Like the, the singing bomb failing guy yeah. killed that guy and then everybody else rushed into the barracks. Okay. Uh, yeah, they... Uh, announced that everybody there is traitors. And because it's, th- these are Irish working for the British military. Right. I forget. Territorials, I think. That might be them. Possibly. I don't know. And, and then the main thing they do is take a whole bunch of uh, guns. Yeah. It's the most important part of their raid there. Cut to them playing billiards. At uh, some sort of pub. Uh, some soldiers come in and, uh, you know, kind of rough them up a little bit, frisk them all to find nothing, and they head on into another room. Something about hand-picked by Churchill, and I don't remember what that meant, but Churchill's name gets brought up a lot in this, yes. as he was very much an advocate of uh, forceful measures against yeah. the Irish. I don't remember, but he, he does come up repeatedly. Yeah. And he uh, says, don't they call them Fenians in this scene? I think so. It casts a lot of Downton Abbey yeah. in a very different light. I mean, number one, watching this movie, you realize what a fucking pussy Tom Branson is. Yeah. He sucks. Yeah. And he absolutely should not be allowed back in Ireland. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. they would destroy him. <laughs> no, and just like in Lord Grantham saying he used to have a Fenian grandchild yeah. is the equivalent of somebody saying they're going to have, like, a grandchild that's the N-word. Right. Like... It's got like so the much way venom and vitriol behind it. Yeah. Like, and I mean, you can see too, like where Lord Grantham is saying it, it's the way that your racist grandma says these things. Right. Well, these people yeah. are like, 
This is the way your racist sheriff says these things. Yeah, exactly. And it's chilling. Mm -hmm. But good news. (laughs) Question mark. Some guys come in from the street with guns. With Sinead. Yeah. And uh, hand out all the guns and they head into the room and shoot all those people. And these old dudes are just sitting at the bar like, fuck yeah, kill those guys. Yeah. No, that's that's right. That was the best part is that there's these two old guys who are not involved just sort of talking about what's going on and they see the whole thing go down they're like well cool yeah no they <laughs> look man they're not going to sell out their boys yeah no absolutely soldiers ride through shooting yelling hitting women with guns i don't remember what they were riding through but it happened or they're looking for the people that shot those guys right yeah 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 i mean that that's basically this is all retaliation for that uh, we see officers being shown into a fancy country house, which turns out to belong to <gasps> Roger Allen. That's correct. My favorite. Yes. Although he's playing quite a heel in this. Yeah. Less so after this movie, but. AKA that general from Parades End. What yeah, yeah, yeah. Name? Uh, Nobody remembers. No, you know. The only name we remember is Potty. <laughs> That's right. And he was not Potty. No, he was not. <laughs> he did not have much time for Potty, if no, I recall correctly. No, he did not. Yeah. So a maid runs off for uh, Chris, who has been summoned by Roger Allen. The maid's name is Julia, and she's great, but she really needs a more flattering outfit. <laughs> yeah. It's not doing her any favors. No, it isn't. Well, just another one of the many injustices of English rule. I'm not saying you're wrong. No. That's granted, like if Jezebel had been around at the time, that's what they <laughs> would have focused on. They'd be like, you guys, like not only has Britain like denied like our personhood or like whatever, <laughs> but also they're making our maids wear some really heinous outfits. <laughs> our bodies, our choice. <laughs> that's warning. my impression of Jezebel <laughs> in the 1920s. It's, it's not bad. We all play our part. <laughs> So Chris reluctantly heads into the the study or whatever, and uh, they ask him where he was last Friday. He claims to have been at an uncle's funeral, and nobody believes that story even the slightest bit. No. Yeah. Not at all. Uh, For one thing, Alan says that he had talked to his mother, and he has no uncle that died recently. Or, well, and look, this kid's an idiot. Well, right. He wasn't going to last. Yeah. Because he doesn't even have... He just says, oh, he lived far away. Yeah. Like, yeah. you need to have your damn story straight, kid. True. I mean, to be fair, it seems pretty clear that there wasn't any story he could tell when he got in there. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, he just looked just not smart. Like, no, he just... and, like, this is another point where I saw him, like, going up to, like, talk to these guys. And I was like, you know, quit looking all guilty. Right. Which is, like, what my relatives would say when there would be court footage of, like, a young <laughs> black kid mm. on the news. And yeah. I was like, holy shit, there's no other way to look but guilty. When you know that you've already been judged guilty. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just a very powerful moment for me. Yeah. Your mileage may vary. Yeah. Yeah. So they want to know names and places and safe houses from young Chris. And Alan says that if he doesn't answer them, that his family will suffer. Alan will make sure that his yeah. family will suffer. Uh, and they ask specifically about Teddy O'Donovan. Yes. So cut to some British soldiers sneaking around with guns uh, through some woods, and they surprise and catch uh, a lookout that was up in a tree and prevent him from giving any warning, and then catch all the IRA guys sleeping. And 
Uh, they round them up, put them in jail, which, you know, not surprisingly. Damien treats uh, the wounds of those who got injured in the arrest. And uh, the one of the people that is in this jail is the train driver. Played by Liam Cunningham. That's right. Which we've already said. Well, no, because we didn't know it was him at first. Well, I said it on this podcast. Well, we said that he was in the movie. Right, but I'm pretty sure I said he played the driver. Well, I'll find out. Yeah, you're going to edit this. <laughs> yeah. You're going to find out and you're going to do what is right. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But yes, Liam Cunningham. No, and it's actually really cool because... Uh, Damien's like, oh, you were the driver that day. And the driver's like, oh, yeah, you were that doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fucked up that we're both in here. And, you know, they kind of just, you know, they banter. Yeah. Uh, jailhouse banter. Yeah. Typical sort of thing. Because we would know. <laughs> well, we've seen movies. We, we poncy little podcasters. <laughs> sort us, of thing happened all us the time. rule followers. All, happened all the time in murder prison, as I recall. Mm, that's true. So the guards come in and pull out Teddy and uh, take him off to another room. I wish you hadn't used the phrase pull out. Well, right. Because they strap him in a chair, ask him a couple questions. He doesn't answer. So they take the pliers out and begin removing his fingernails. Uh, Yeah. It's... Awful. It is so like, bad. It's like, really, I, and it's just intense. I have never and, seen violence depicted so unglamorously. Yeah, there is no joy in any of this violence for anybody. Mm-hmm. Like even as like you know, like the rebels feel very like justified, and you are like rooting for them. Yeah, like there is a huge price to pay every time there's an incident of violence, and yeah. it's more worser violence. Yeah. And, you know, well, and just the, I mean, the, I feel like the character of this guy, the torturer guy here, who I think was the same as the leader at the beginning, but maybe not. But, you know, they've all kind of got, like, you really get a sense of, like, just the rage and anger that they feel there, you know, that, you know, that they're, they have nowhere else to go. And everybody in this country hates them and is trying to kill them. And it's just driven them mad. Yeah. Like, they're just crazy. Well, and they talk about World War One. Yeah repeatedly yeah and you know how you know we all fought at the psalm and i think that is this scene is it okay he's saying you know you shot my my buddy right and he fought at the psalm and you know yeah we were waist deep in vomit and yeah and it's just i mean i mean just the whole world went fucking nuts yeah i'm not sure we've ever really recovered no that's i mean it's not like it was before the war kelly that's true (laughs) so i guess i'm right yeah as usual yep yeah, the uh, other prisoners are getting worked up hearing, you know, Teddy's screams from the other room, and one of them gets them all to start singing some sort of, I mean, it's in Gaelic, but, you know, some sort of revolutionary song. They all join in, and it's, you know, just an interesting thing, because it's weird how powerful singing is. Well, and, I mean, in this case, they're doing it, you know, as a measure of defiance, but also right. as a self-protective measure so they don't have to hear yeah, so that they don't have to hear, and also so that even potentially Teddy can hear. Yeah. And, you know, know that they're all, you know, the cause lives on and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Just like in the South Park movie. <laughs> I know. As soon as I said that, I was like, oh. God, he is the biggest bitch of them all. 
So yeah, Teddy's dragged back into the cell and dumped there. This is the first time I realized that he was Damien's brother. I don't know if it was clear not before, but I, I didn't know until this moment. I don't know what I knew. And uh, the prisoners are hustled out. Uh, Damien demands to be treated as a political prisoner. And actually, this is where it's to right. him that he talks okay. about the psalm. He, and then the, the guy, the crazy torturer guy, tells... He's got some, like, young kind of new recruit guy in the cell with him, and he orders that young new recruit guy to shoot Damien, and he, like, doesn't want to or whatever, and, like, is, like, freaked out by it. And so he ends up not shooting Damien, but the guy says it doesn't matter because he's going to be court-martialed and shot in the morning for possession of a weapon, Mm -hmm. which is a capital offense at that time. So in the cell, Damien's reading uh, some graffiti that somebody has left there, a William Blake verse. Which is identified by Liam Cunningham. Mm -hmm. William Blake was Irish, right? Maybe? I thought he was English, but I could be wrong. I'm thinking about Yates. I think you are. I'm definitely thinking about Yates. Okay. Anyway, but uh, Liam Cunningham says that he was exiled to Wales right. as a younger man, and mm-hmm. it was the best thing that ever happened to him because he learned to read and he educated himself. Yeah. And, you know, now he's fighting for the Irish cause. Right, right. Yeah, and he, uh, you know, they quote, oh, shoot, who was it they quote? An early Irish, like, orator and leader. Yeah. That they'd both been to see at that one point or another. Fen. Right. And but and his talk about it was basically socialism. Yeah. You know, how he talks about once they're out, we're all gonna own this country together and all this sort well, of thing. Well, and it's so great because they start like and they're quoting it together. Right. It's like the opposite of the scenes in Upstairs Downstairs <laughs> where <laughs> Percy and uh what's his name? The chauffeur. Right. Who's yeah. apparently so forgettable we don't remember his name. Spargo. Spargo. <laughs> Spargo. <laughs> we meet again. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the antithesis of them quoting that fascist. <laughs> right. You know, not just because our political sympathies are more in line. Uh, it's also much better acted. <laughs> Gee, really? Yeah. This excellent movie, which might be the best movie I've ever seen, is better than the reboot of Upstairs, Downstairs? <laughs> yeah, it is possible that a star of Batman Begins is better than a star of Make It or Break It. Get out of town. I won't have you speak that way about Perry Gilpin. <laughs> I'm not talking about Perry Gilpin. I know. I just wanted to say her name. I know. Or Payson. <laughs> Damien talks about uh, Teddy, how he had gone off to a seminary at the age of 12 and then come back and he was like a man and Damien was still a boy and it like, you know, was this, they were torn apart. Asunder even. Yeah, asunder. That's right. Uh, but then in the middle of this reminiscence, that young soldier from before comes in and he's like, hey, my name is whatever his name was. It's like Johnny something. Yeah, I'm from Donegal and I can't have your deaths on my conscience. Let's go. And he busts them all out. Yeah. And it was just like. We just like were emotional. Yeah. A like, lot of feelings. Yeah. And there is one cell that he can't open because he doesn't have the key, but they have to leave them behind. Right. They have to leave three people behind in that cell. It's like Kevin Callum and somebody else. Yeah. You know. You know, Curly. It, spoiler alert. doesn't really matter what their names were. So out in the countryside, they all get off whatever cart they've been hitching a ride on and head on eating some kitchen. Uh, I guess they're back home. Yeah. Sinead's there. Uh, so... Damien is doing his best to treat Teddy, you know, fingers. 
um, and and dress the wounds and everything. I talks with Sinead a little bit about how they left three behind, and Sinead knows who it was that turned them in. Yeah, and it's also interesting because we hear Peg and whatever Sinead's mom's name is. I can't remember. Peggy's the grandmother. Right. And she's kind of like... M- Ma- Ma- no. Ma- Ma- I don't... Re- I don't even... Yeah. But they're complimenting the, you know, the guy that betrayed the British for them and, you know, right. yeah, yeah, how yeah. proud they are and, yeah. you know, that he's a hero to them. And again, this is where you're really seeing, you know, the women's role is mm-hmm. to, you know, be providing the support and making sure they have a place to be that's safe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so far as you can be safe in an occupied country. Which is minimally. Yeah. Yeah. So they sneak into Alum's house and they bust into his office and, you know, draw down on him. They give him the letter that he wrote denouncing Chris that they have obtained. And... Well, they, and they got this because somebody's like a a typist. Yeah, that's right. Somebody's a typist, or something. Yeah and, yeah, and like saw it lying around or something. So they make him write a letter in turn, saying that if the three prisoners aren't set free, that he will be executed. The, he tells them that uh, he hates them and that this is a priest infected backwater and. God help this country if you ever your lot ever get in charge and all this sort of thing. He is not particularly remorseful. No. So they've got him hostage. They take him out into the countryside uh, and they head to uh, Donnie and DePegs, who are an old couple that uh, have no, no are, are prepared for their coming and have cooked dinner for them in advance. Damon's smoking outside. Uh, a girl rides up. It's not Sinead. We were briefly excited. But she's like a, yeah. a young girl. Different lady. And She was the tempo wick of this story. <laughs> yeah. And uh, has a message. And the message says that they already executed the other three and tortured them first. Yeah. And the message also says that their orders therefore, therefore are to immediately execute Alum in turn as well as Chris. Yeah. And there's a little bit of back and forth about that, but basically not really that much debate. And Damien says... They're like, this is war. Yeah. And this is what happens. Because they keep calling him spy. Yeah. And I'm like, that's really giving him way too much credit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Damien says that, you know, I think it, I think he says something about how he was supposed to save lives. Now he's going to kill these people. And he says, I hope this Ireland we're making is worth it. Yeah. And uh, he first uh, goes to execute Alum, asks him for his letters. He's written a letter to his wife and to his children. Uh, and then he brings up Chris. And Well, Alum, before he dies, is like, you guys are never going to win! Oh, right. Which is great. Like, yeah. He's just like, fuck you! And then they kill him. Yeah. Uh, so then he brings Chris up and asks him for his letters. And Chris says that he didn't know what to write and his mom can't read anyway. And just to say that he loved her and not to bury him next to Alum. And and Damien says, you know, that chapel down the hill or whatever, it'll be there. You know, that's it. If you said your prayers, you know. And he says that he's scared. Yeah. Oh, it's so fucking terrible, you guys. Yeah. It's really terrible. And, and Damien shoots him. And... 
Damien shoots him and then just like walks straight off like away from the camera and just he Heathcliffs it up, man. Yeah, and he deserves it way more than Heathcliff ever did. <laughs> yeah, no, just a really you know fine job by Killian Murphy there. I mean, throughout the movie, but that that moment in particular. Yeah. Um, whew, man, that was like you know the torture was one thing, but that scene. I mean, that scene right there is kind of the linchpin of of the movie in certain yeah. ways well and like look the torture scene like teddy knew what he was getting into right and and was intelligent enough to know what might be required of him right this kid this kid was cannon fodder i mean no right. matter how much you agree with a certain side in a war mm-hmm. every side needs cannon fodder right and and you know and it wasn't he didn't really do anything wrong and damien knows that but he knows that he has to kill him anyway, and it's just... And Chris knows that he has to kill him yeah. anyway, and it's just... Oh, man. That was brutal. It was extremely brutal. That was, like, uh, that was like the worst one for me. Yeah. That was not the worst one for me, but we'll get there. <laughs> we will. <laughs> uh, so they're having a little meeting, and uh, news is generally good. The unions are holding together, and, you know, the, the railway unions and others are... are really slowing the British down. Uh, they talk about some other men that have been lost. They talk about some people that are on hunger strike in prison. Uh, Damien checks Teddy's fingers. They seem to be doing okay. Uh, and then we, then we go into another room where, where there's a court going on. Uh, and the judge, who that's Lily, right? Lily, yeah. yeah. This she, is where the Bechtel pa- test is <laughs> Yes, it is. I mean, she's arbitrating a rent dispute between an old woman and a uh, uh, comical capitalist of a man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think his name is Uncle McPennybag. <laughs> I think it might be. <laughs> I don't know how you say that in Gaelic. I don't know how you say anything in Gaelic. That's a weird language. It is a really cool, weird language. Yeah. I know you say, uh, God, I had an Irish pen pal for a while. Oh, right. Slon, I think, is goodbye. Okay. I'll, like, see it, you know, smell you later. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, anyway. Gosh, I wonder whatever happened to her. I don't know. Presumably she's around somewhere. I've, you know, Ireland, quite possibly. Most likely. <laughs> In any case, the issue is that she, he claims that she agreed to pay rent and isn't. Her problem is that the rent or the interest that this guy was charging was like 500%. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, Sinead is there. She brings up uh, some papers, you know, backing up that the, the interest rate was extortionate. So Lily's like, that's way too much. Uh, screw you, <laughs> Uncle McPennybags. <laughs> <laughs> and orders him to pay the elderly widow 10 shillings or some such amount. Mm-hmm. And he is not having it. He's like, I'm not going to pay her, blah, blah, blah. He's refusing to acknowledge anything. And Teddy's like, you know what? I'll Come on. We'll, we'll work this out. Let's go, buddy. Let's go. And walks out. Judge Lily is not having this uh, well, at all. And the women are running that court. Right. And so right. it's Lily and Sinead and some other women. Mm-hmm. And when Teddy finally comes back in, they're like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. They're like, this is our government. Right. And if our government is seen as weak... Mm-hmm. And that we cannot support the citizens, the people who are supporting everything that you're doing. Right. Then we don't have a leg to stand on. Whereas they're like, oh, well, we need the capitalists because yeah, well, of he's, money. Yeah. He's saying that he's saying I've got a shipment of m- guns coming in from Scotland. I don't have the money to pay them. I need somebody with money to help us out so we can buy these guns. And, you know, it's not 
they're uh you know not they're 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 talking past each other like it's just but it's also it's it's i think it's foreshadowing for the kind of outcome i know that i think that makes sense yeah um, well, I mean, and Ken Loach, the director, yeah, who I sort of I vaguely knew the name, and, and looking at him, like he's a very political director. And I mean, for as much politics as is as is in this movie, it doesn't feel that political. No, but like, I it think shades certain ways at times. But it doesn't. It doesn't have to. And I think this is a really great sort of exhibit for my feeling that like movies about this kind of. St- well, really, you know, any movie that you're telling is better served by being told by somebody who's been through that, mm. which is very broad, and you can poke a lot of holes in that. But it's like we were talking about what movie this reminded us of the most, and it was Fruitvale, right? Which was, you know, a movie that had a black writer and director, mm-hmm. and this movie is made by Irish people, right? And you get a different tenor. You know, because I think if you'd had an American direct this, yeah. they well, would have played up all the wrong things. Yeah. And it's also a lot of local and, uh, you know, like non-actors even. Yeah. Like, you know, because it was funny afterwards. I was like, that Lily looked kind of familiar. I'll look her up on IMDb. Oh, she only has one credit. And it's this. It's this. Yeah. No, I mean, it's really terrific. And I yeah. think I wish there was more of that. Mm-hmm. I just I'm much more interested in sort of locally sourced movies, <laughs> yeah. I guess. <laughs> oh, Bay Area. But it's true. <laughs> Less interested in a locally sourced Bay Area movie that's not Fruitvale. Well, that's true. <laughs> no, actually, we're not interested in locally sourced food that much. Just the movies. Pretty much. Yeah. We just ate Wendy's. We did. Like, not to get kicked out of town, but... They don't live here, that's most true. of the people that listen to this. <laughs> yeah. For the rest of you, we're sorry. Not sorry. I had a pretzel bun. Have you had a pretzel bun? I have not. Oh, so good. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it was so good. This podcast brought to you by Wendy's. I wish. I know, man. <laughs> Cousins. <laughs> do you work in the strategic partnerships division of Wendy's? Might they be interested in a strategic partnership with us? If so, we want to hear your story. Yeah. <laughs> or really just give us the email address of someone we can contact. Yeah. We're, uh... No story needed. <laughs> we're always open for, uh, partnerships. The courtroom scene was like, the guy said it was a kangaroo court. Oh, and yeah. And I'm like, I can't believe that phrase has lasted this long. It's, uh... It is a powerful phrase. It is. It's, well, it's so memorable. Once you hear it, you're like, oh, kangaroo court. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, oh, no, kangaroo court. Yeah. It'll gouge us to death with his powerful hind legs. I know. <laughs> I saw that episode of the Mighty Boosh. <laughs> right, because at the end of that scene, it's Liam uh, with kind of the last word in the scene. Liam Cunningham, uh, who probably has another name in the movie. It's Dan. Thank you. Uh, he says that he asks Teddy and each of them how much money they have. They've got like a few shillings. Do they own any land? No. And he says that... Uh, you know, this sort of thing. The IRA is backing the landlords over the poor, over people like you. And yeah. Some other good stuff. Yeah. That Tom there's, didn't write there's, a, there's another good line, but I think it's coming up later. So I'll leave it till it's a proper point. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, but he makes a great point. He's saying, listen up. Like, it's going to be business as fucking usual if we don't stand up to this now. Right. Mm-hmm. And he has an excellent point. So we see Damien and Sinead strolling along in the woods. Ooh, for whatever reason, in that previous scene, I wrote, fuck you, Rory. 
<laughs> which is a sentiment that's going to continue to be relevant through the rest of this movie. True. And he kind of talks about Chris and what happened there, and he says that he went to Chris's mother afterwards and told her, and she just went and got her shoes and said, take me to my son. And they walked six hours, and she didn't say a word, and got to the, the graveyard at the chapel. He put some flowers and a cross there, and she said, I never want to see you again. And that was it. And, uh, yeah. I was not so upset that during this scene, I did not write in all caps, do it, have a sex in the woods. <laughs> right. Well, it seemed to be heading that way. Yeah. Like, it seemed to well, be and some it, it, This cathartic. is another area where it's obviously an Irish movie, because the Irish are very, like, anti-sex. Not right, right. Not having yeah, 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 it, yeah. but just, like, depicting it. Yeah. And there is never any sex in this movie. Yeah, it's true. Which, in a certain case, is very good. <laughs> I'm surprised to hear you say it. Uh, well, it wouldn't have been consensual. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. Yeah, so it just instead just fades to fog. Yeah. Uh, we hear... The fog of sex? <laughs> no, the fog of war. Aw, oh, man. Yeah, because there's some men marching along singing uh, some Republican song. Uh, and we cut to a house at night where a priest is taking all of their confessions. That's got to be awkward. Yeah. Doing confession all in one room like that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, he seems to be keeping them quiet. He gets up and gives them all a blessing and says that, you know, may Jesus Christ, who suffered on the cross for all of you, give you the strength for the tribulations to come. Yeah. And I'm pretty impressed with the IRA, man. They've gone from a ragtag band stumbling around with guns right. to this extremely organized outfit that even has priests like supporting it. Yeah. It's hard to get a priest to support anything. Yeah. Nuns will support you all day and all night. Yeah. But priests have to like, you gotta, you gotta woo a priest. <laughs> yeah. Well, it varied. And in, you know, in Ireland in particular, they tend, well, I don't know, because the period that I'm most used to reading about Ireland was at that point, Catholicism was still like illegal. So yeah. the priests were all supporting underground resistance, you know, by, they had no yeah, choice. Yeah. But I mean, at this point, like the Catholic yeah. church is pretty well established. Right. Right. I mean, again, in as much as it can be in an occupied country. Yes, yes. So, again, men sneaking around with guns, and including a machine gun this time. And they are setting up in static positions around a roadway. Uh, somebody signals that there's a car coming and that it's announced that it's oxies, auxiliaries. So the guy who is set up as the decoy has got a busted motorcycle lying in the middle of the road and is like, ah... Oh, you know, I'm so unthreatening and cranky about my busted motorcycle and tell the truck slow down, at which point he shoots the driver and the uh, pass- front passenger and, you know, the gunfight breaks out from there. I think he had a grenade, too. Uh, eventually, you know, a standard fight scene breaks out. The, somebody says to cease fire. They go check all the bodies. We see them going around, pulling the guns away, and all that know, sort of I thing. And you know what, man? Damien is going to have twice as much PTSD as anybody else because he's doing double the work because he is not just their soldier. He's also their medic. Right. Because they yell that there's one man dead. So Damien runs to check on him and it's, uh, Oh, there's his name, Gogan, the Mm -hmm. guy that got them out of prison. Yeah. He is, yeah, he's dead. And, you know, Damien runs up and is immediately like, oh, yeah, it's nothing it's I can do. Like, the guys will be like, oh, somebody's dead. But they're like, let's have the doctor check. And then he's like, oh, he's dead. Like, it's weird. Yeah. But, I mean, I think, you know. I want to be sure. Yeah. 
So the the leaders are getting everybody moving, and and Finbar gives them all a pep talk, and a lot of them are really like traumatized by having killed people. And one, you know, one of the more like sergeant types is saying, "Would have done the same to you. It would have killed you." And you know, Finbar says, "We're, you know, they force us to this. We struck a blow that'll be felt not just in London but around the world." You know, gives them the whole thing, and they head off. And I, I appreciated that it's really soldiers. It's really traumatic for them to kill people. It's not just the risk of being shot. It's yeah. having to kill people oh, yeah. really fucks people up. And that's something that gets glossed over a lot in, you know, talking about war. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's why all of the veterans from the last two Iraq wars are so fucked up. Yeah. Because nobody talks about it. And, you know, yeah. they're not getting adequate care. How can somebody who's never killed somebody give adequate psychiatric care? You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. I'm not saying we need to send, you know, psychologists and psychiatrists into some sort of most dangerous game situation. Psychiatry 403. (laughs) (laughs) Most dangerous class. (laughs) It's terrible. Yes. No, but I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's very awful. Yeah. And it's always been awful. Yeah. It's never not been awful. Yeah. Killing is wrong, guys. (laughs) Yeah. Like, even for a good cause. Once again, another bold up yours downstairs stance. <laughs> killing is wrong. We're against the potato famine. We're against killing. Pro Killian Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> so as the men are walking along, they hear shouting, and they come back to the uh, the farmhouse where this all began, and the British are there. And they are, you know, on their usual rampage, shouting, pulling everybody out. They uh, set the fucking house on fire. They set the house on fire. They've grabbed Sinead and are, like, cutting up her hair. Like, they're cutting off her hair, but they're, you know, taking chunks out of her scalp as they do it. Um, and the men are all there, like, up in the trees, but they have used up all their ammunition they can't do anything except watch. They just have to sit there and watch the whole this thing. This was the worst thing to me. Yeah. Just watching Sinead be there. And again, I don't think they did rape her. Right. But they easily they, could well, have. Well, and it was the way it was sort the of shot. Had like it looked like that was where out, it was like, going. Yeah. Yeah. And like cause she's kicking at them. Right. Right. And they're, you know, abusing, you know, Nan, yeah. Peggy, and her mom. Like, they're all there. They're burning the fuck out of the house. And the dudes are just, they can't do anything. And yeah. it's just so terrible. Yeah. Well, and then, so, like... Ah, uh, it just keeps going! It does just keep going. <sighs> so, it's the aftermath. The the British have all left. Uh, Damien's treating Sinead. And... Uh, Nan, or Peggy, is that the same person? Yeah. She won't leave. She says she's not going to leave. She's been there, you know, all this time, you know, raised children, all this other stuff. She's not going to leave. And it's like, you're crazy. You can't live there. She's like, I'll clean out the... No. Yeah. She's like, I'll clean out the chicken coop. I'll stay there. And then Sinead just loses her shit. Yeah. She's like, oh, you mean the chicken coop where Mihal got shot? Yeah. And she just starts screaming at Damien and she's just like, I'm not going to be her. I want to have a life. And just like, yeah, she's finally well and truly snapped. Yeah. And it is the one of the most upsetting things I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, on and, just, a movie. and just, you know, just Nan just being like, just being like, no. Yeah. Just, just completely. 
like just uh, just ama- i mean it's just amazing well and she saw she talks about having been evicted right at some point and yeah. then i mean whether it's going back there or going back somewhere else but i'm just like ah yeah let's move on okay I'm glad this movie moves so fast it because does. I don't know how much longer I can talk about it. Yeah, no, we've gotten <laughs> we've gotten well into it at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and when actually in the same scene, a kid runs up, says that he has a message, and then like he can't find the message, and, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> 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 he uh, he had dropped it just up the lane. Uh, they they track it down, and the, the announcement is that there's been an immediate truce as of that midnight uh, has been arranged, and and everybody's very happy. Yes. So there's a party. Yeah. There's a good old uh, Kaylee. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a Titanic steerage party. It, it is. It's exactly that. And there's some rich bitch there for no reason. Uh huh. And and everybody's like, get out of here. Right. <laughs> and Damien and Sinead find uh, you know whatever the equivalent of a automobile being shipped <laughs> across the Atlantic is. Yeah, and they clearly did it. <laughs> yeah. Even though it fades to not them doing it. <laughs> <laughs> But right. again, I think it's appropriate. Like, oh yeah, this yeah. is not a movie where I want to see people doing it. No, which is a weird thing for me to say. Yes, it is because I'm but... very pro people doing it in movies. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, but it just doesn't fit the tone, you know. Yeah, yeah. So we see a newsreel. Uh, there's been an Irish peace conference, and a treaty has been signed. I also noticed that this is all in in titles, and there's a guy playing the piano. Uh, but there's also oh somebody, yeah, there's somebody reading it because so many of them would have been illiterate. Right, right. So I liked that. I noticed smart things too. I didn't. I know. <laughs> uh, and it is everybody's like kind of going along with it until it is announced that Ireland will still be uh, dominion of the crown, and that the members of Parliament will swear an oath of allegiance to the king, and that does not make anybody happy at all. Killian Murphy in particular starts yelling the loudest. Yeah. And saying, what is it? Is, is he saying, is this what we fought I for? I think so, yeah. And I'm like, uh oh, somebody's got a case of the PTSD. Yeah. Uh, also, a completely valid, rational argument <laughs> against this treaty. So then we cut to, and this scene is actually really long and really good, and I was so into it that I didn't write much about yeah. it, but it's a well, debate yeah. going on among the whole crew, you know, Liam and Damien and Teddy. And Finn Barn and, and Rory and Rory. Fuck you, Rory. <laughs> right. Basically, what to do about this treaty? And Teddy is very much for the treaty. He says they that the English have sworn quote immediate and terrible war if this treaty is rejected. Says that there's all these hardcore Tories in there. You know, again, Churchill and and I forget the other names. They, they said Lloyd George. Yeah. 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 But Even though Lloyd George wasn't a Tory, but I mean he was not pro Ireland. Right. And and what they and what he said was they've got the whole empire. You think they're gonna let us go? Because then they'll they see us go, they see Africa and India and everything else going along mm-hmm. with us. Uh and so he just says that you know that because that's a debate, was that immediate and terrible war quote a bluff? Would they really do that? And the other's like, No, you know, they've already, you know, had enough of us. That's why they're even negotiating in uh-huh. the first place. We're so close and we need to push the rest of the way. You know, and then Damien makes a very socialist argument against accepting the treaty, saying that this still will just, you know, keep, you know, there's going to be a governor general. 
that's going to be keeping all the rich people in charge and keeping us down. If we accept this treaty, the only things that will change will be the accents of the powerful and the color of the flag. Which, that was a good line. That's a great line. Yeah. This is a really well-written movie. It is a really well-written movie. And this whole debate... Well, and none of it, even when they get really eloquent, none of it ever feels inappropriate or preachy or weird. Right. Like, this was just how people engaged in debate. It feels very natural, and... And this this whole scene, you know, there was a lot more back and forth than I put here, and, and it's, I, I mean, I really feel like the, it's giving all the sides oh, yeah. a fair I mean, hearing. I, you know, your allegiance is pretty much with Damien because right. he's been your POV, but it's like you totally see Teddy's point of view. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, maybe it's better to do it by degrees yeah. than to demand this thing right away. Right, right. We see the British army marching out of town, uh, you know, sort of deoccupying, and Teddy is observed wearing the uniform of the new Free State Army, which causes a fair amount of derision. Uh, and then Finbar, I think, is well. Somebody comes up and tells Killian, or Killian, and a couple others that are gathered around that the IRA has called an emergency meeting. And to keep up with the training and keep all of your weapons. Yeah. And, uh, you know, stay, stay vigilant. Vigilant, right. So we see some more training happening. Uh, a woman comes for Damien, says she has a sick child. So he goes and examines the child and, you know, with his charming bedside manner, uh, says that the child will be okay. And, and uh, basically, apparently, he was just half starved. Yeah. So at some office where they're putting out a newspaper, uh, some sort of generally IRA socialist newspaper, somebody rushes in and announces that the Free Staters have attacked the IRA in four squares, I think it was. I don't know. And it was something I meant to look up the details of this particular attack because I found it slightly unclear what exactly had happened. But apparently it seemed to be indicating that they had used like artillery, like Uh military-grade weapons against the IRA somewhere. And Finbar wants retaliation. Yeah, and I think... Is this the scene where they talk about Michael Collins? Maybe. And they, like, talk shit about Michael Collins I think, for, like, going and hanging out with all the posh assholes. Yeah, yeah. Which I really appreciated. Yeah. Even though I don't even know anything about Michael Collins. Well, we never watched that movie. I know. I'm pretty much, though, like, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh and at this point, somebody, and I don't remember which guy it was, one of them quits at this point. He says, I'm not, I, this is not, I'm not yeah. going to fight Irishmen. I'm just not. I, yeah. I can't do it. So they set an ambush for a truck of free state soldiers. Uh, some of them get shot by Rory. And, yeah. they, and they're well, like, how does Rory, it... Rory has gone really militant yeah, yeah. at this point yeah and is you know he's he's like teddy without any self-control basically mm-hmm. and he's really fucking shit up yeah and uh well i remember too that like oh how does it feel to kill an irishman you bastards all this sort yeah. of thing so you know and that's the, i mean that's the thing too is that that's the thing the thing about a revolution is for a government to be so bad that for a revolution to work it has to have gathered together so many people that they can't all be fighting for the same thing like the government has to have pissed a bunch of people off for different reasons yeah so then when the revolution wins all the different people thought they were fighting for different things yeah and you know it's a problem and it's always a problem so we should never resist 
I'm not saying that. I'm we just saying. We should succumb to the Borg. I'm just saying you better know that it's going to be really fucking hard once you're done. It's, you know, as, you know, it took us 20 years to get a workable constitution, arguably 100, if you can, you know, the Civil War was still hashing out the problems that we didn't really, that we papered over at the Constitutional mm-hmm. Convention. You know, it's just hard to do. So we see Teddy, and he says uh, that this is the real, like, sort of final turn, final heel turn of Teddy, where he says that military courts are not enough to address this attack on the free staters, uh, that they're going to have to retaliate and, uh, you know, basically resort to extra legal means of suppressing this. We see a priest in a big fancy church giving his sermon. He says that he can't believe that there's, you know, all this sort of thing. Military courts, and he reads a socialist leaflet that he found in the street with disgust. Reminds everybody of the pastoral letter that has essentially excommunicated the IRA. And at this point, Damien just stands up and is like, screw you, priest. Yeah. And, and. God, what does he say? He said, well, and the priest is saying, you know, don't you raise your voice to me in the house of God. And Damien just goes, uh, once again, the Catholic Church, with exception, sides with the rich. Yeah. And fucking drops the mic. <laughs> yeah. Him and Sinead leave church. And, like, Teddy's on the other side. Yeah. Like, in his yeah. uniform. And he's like, oh, I'm not with him. <laughs> but, I mean, look, it's awesome. I think more people should yell in church. <laughs> Might finally get, you know, this kid rape problem under control. Well, uh, you know, we'll see. I don't really care. I'm not generally there. So outside, Teddy is arguing with Damien about, you know, his actions. And Damien is unsurprisingly not convinced by Teddy's arguments, tells him that he's just a servant of the British Empire now, and heads off with Sinead. Is that? No. Never mind. He says that later. Okay. That thing about Chris Riley? I think so. Okay. Stay tuned. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's coming up soon. We're nearly at the end here. Yeah. Uh, because we see some free staters searching a farmhouse. And one of them is actually helping out the IRA, trying to get the weapons out of there. It's it's the farmhouse, by yeah. the way. Not just A. And uh, But they don't make a clean getaway. Somebody sees them up there. Firing breaks out. Uh, Dan gets shot. And Damien is captured. Yeah, and he's, like, screaming at them that they've shot an unarmed man, and he's also unarmed, and it's terrible. Yeah, it's it's bad. So, Teddy is interviewing Damien in his jail cell, uh, discussing the last time that they were in that jail cell, where, we forgot to mention, when they came in and called for Teddy O'Donovan, Damien said, oh, that's me. Right. And then Teddy was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um he says that Damien shouldn't be there, that he should be back with Sinead. He should be, you know, in a hospital somewhere teaching. That's all he ever wanted to do. Uh, and he asks, where are the, you know, where are the arms? Where's Rory? And Damien says that he shot Chris and that's, that's it. Like he can't. No, he said he shot Chris and this isn't good enough. Yeah. Like he didn't shoot Chris to see this happening. Right. He didn't shoot Chris to still be a slave. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And Teddy's like, okay, uh, you'll be shot at dawn. Have fun with that. Oh my god, you guys. Yeah. So Damien uh, writes his last letter to Sinead. Uh, and... He gives her back to St. Christopher Metal. Christopher Metal. And... Uh, gets marched out to the, you know, the prison yard. Teddy says that it's not too late, and Damien says, for me or for you. So he's got his hands tied behind his back. Teddy goes to blindfold him, but Damien says no. Uh, and Teddy, his second in command offers to give the order, but Teddy says, no, I'll do it. Uh, you know, gives the order, and uh, they shoot. Damien. Teddy sobs and goes and takes, you know, takes the medal, which he'd actually been holding. Um, and we see Teddy uh, ride up on his motorcycle, arrive at the farmhouse. Uh, he gives Sinead the letter and the medal, and Sinead punches him and sends him off and never wants to see him again, yeah. and rightly so. And so, you know... That's the fucking barley taken care of. Like, Jesus. That's a whole movie, man. Yeah. It's like a really good movie. It's really good. I think it's probably the best thing we've ever watched for this podcast. I think it probably is. Like... Like, it's so good. And I remember when it came out, because it, I think, premiered at the Toronto Film Festival the first year that right, you and I right. went, which actually was 2005, which mm. was the same year that Batman Begins came out. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I just can't believe it took us this long to see it. Like, no, I know it's, it's so good. Yeah, like tell like, a friend, everyone. Yeah, for real, it's really good. It's you know two. It's two hours, and it it's so you know it's action. Like I didn't feel the two hours. Yeah, exactly. Like we stopped once in the middle. Yeah, to just take a break. But like, yeah, but it 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 clips it, right by. It really does. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just. You know, there's 45 seconds of hurling at the beginning, and then, bam. No, and it never lets up. Yeah. And then, honestly, by the time we got to the end, though, I was like, please don't let there be anything else in this movie. Like, I don't think I can stand it. Like, I just sobbed through that whole description of what happened. Yeah. You can only imagine what was going on when we were actually (laughs) watching it. It It was a lot of sobbing. It was a lot of sobbing. Yeah. Uh, no, man, it was really good. Yeah. We're really glad that we watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my God. <sighs> it's upsetting to relive. It is. It's, uh, you know, it's not funny, y'all, but. It's not funny at all. <laughs> it's the opposite of funny. And, oh yeah, and let's go back and just reemphasize that, golly, it makes the whole Branson plotline just look like such a pile of shit. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable what a poor light this casts him in. Yeah. And, well, you know, and, uh, you know, look, and everything that was going on in Britain at the time. Yeah. And I mean, you know, not even him so much as it does on Baron Fellows. Yeah. And Neem. Yeah. Um, Neem? Just the, tr- uh, just. It's so tone deaf. It's just, yeah, tone deaf and trivial. I'm not, I'm not saying there weren't people who pushed the fuck out. Right. And we're like, oh no, I don't want to burn a house down 
Like, they weren't even killing these people. Yeah. Like, yeah. This wasn't, that wasn't even a military action at that point. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. No, it just, uh, it's no good at all. And, you know, it's just like, it's just something that the, that, you know, Downton just can't carry that weight. No, like, absolutely it just can't. not. It's, uh, well, I mean, look at all of season two. Like, yeah. It yeah. buckled under the weight of World War One. Yeah. And I mean, luckily, you know, it was on the home front. Yeah. And it was on the home front. And, and World War One, in a weird way, I mean, it's so almost stylized at this point. Yeah. That. Like, it's almost like, like, it's impossible to be that, like, hard hitting about World War One anyway, just because it's such a sort of fairy tale almost to yeah, these days. That's true. You know, it's, it's, it, I don't know though. I, I mean, thought Parade's End made it very hard hitting. That's true. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, that's actually a I very mean, good point. I mean, even, uh, Blackadder. Yeah. I mean, most of it wasn't. Right, right. But I don't know. I just don't think. I don't think I've ever seen a war movie that was this gritty. Like you can say what you want about Saving Private Ryan, but that was a movie that was intended to like be this blockbuster. Yeah. Also, you know? it sucked. I don't really <laughs> remember enough about it. I uh, I've liked it less and less the farther I've gotten away from seeing it, which is maybe not fair. So, but, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. But I mean, just in terms of the real sort of working class. Yeah, where it's just thing. sort of like it's it's like the middle class of revolutionaries. Like they're not yeah. leading things, they're not at the treaties, you know. But they are. I mean, there are they are kind of leaders. Like you know, he's a a, a medical or you know yeah. going to be a doctor. He's they did need him, you know. So he's got this well, I mean, position. And Teddy seemed like he was up there in the chain of command. You know, I mean, right, right. They, you know, they needed them to ratify that treaty. Yeah, like they needed yeah. them to mostly agree. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and just, yeah, because it's so very, and, and like we said about the, the locals and all that sort of thing, like the, it just all feels very, you know, natural. Yeah, there's nothing forced about it. Yeah. And I mean, that, I think, I mean, part you of know, why we talk about all this. so effective. Yeah, we is, talk about all this, it being a war movie, we get, you know, sort of half glimpses of Teddy's fingernails. We see a bit of scarring on Sinead's face. I mean, that's really about it in terms of anything we see. Which is weird because the violence is the first thing that I think of. Right. Like, right. I put warnings on all the socials yeah. because, you know. Yeah. Ladies but, in their sensibilities <laughs> and whatnot. Right. <laughs> Ah, Sweeney Todd. Yeah. I could sing something, but I won't because it's somber time. That's right. <laughs> we all appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, I think that about does it. Yeah. Uh, so until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs, downstairs. luncheon out. He sat me with my true love. My sad heart it was torn between The old love and new love The old for her, the new that made me Think on Ireland dearly While soft the wind down the glen and it showed the golden barley 
Twas hard for me those words to frame To break the ties that bound us And harder still to bear the shame Of foreign chains around us And so I said The mountain glen I shall seek it morning early To join the brave united men Where soft wind shakes the barley I kissed away my true love's tears My fond arms round her flinging When a foeman's shot burst on our ears From out the wild woods ringing The bullet pierced my true love's side In life's young spring so There she died upon my breast While the soft wind showed the barley Then blood for blood without remorse I gained the doorlands hollow And led my true love's clay-cold corpse Where I full soon must follow And o'er her grave I wandered, dear No night and morning early With a breaking heart Whenever I hear the wind that shakes the barley.